Hey, everybody. This is David Caldwell. And today I'm sitting here with my beautiful friend, Janet Miller, coach extraordinaire, super nice Canadian, uh, creator of the No Matter What Journal. How are you? I'm good. How was your week? My week has been, it's hot in Portland. Is it hot in Canada? It was gorgeous and sunny yesterday, probably mid 70s. And today I went out and it was raining. I had a warm jacket on, but it's like back to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. yeah, my week, my week has been, my week has been great. You know, um, yeah, it's been fantastic. So, so we're going to do something new today, which is we're going to do like an ask a coach segment. I love this. Um, Janet is a colleague of mine with Tom Ferry, a fellow coach of Tom Ferry. And she'd done some coaching before. And she is, um, someone that I consider like coach extraordinaire. Uh, we were at an event a couple of years ago and I went for a run and I was exhausted and I was nasty and smelly. And I saw her sitting down, like having breakfast by herself. And I interrupted her just to talk to her because that's how much I like her. So I'm really happy to have her with, here with us today. I yeah. forgot about that. When what when what that was San Diego or when was that? I think that was uh Anaheim, like in okay. 2018, 2019, I don't know. 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. So so we have some questions we're gonna go over today. And the first one that we're gonna start with is a question both of us have been getting a lot, and it's probably on people's mind right now, given the way that the real estate market is, with just this conversation of balance. And we both get this question all the time about how to achieve balance, maintain balance, get away from burnout. Um, it's a really hard time in the real estate industry right now because we're all doing more work for the same money or potentially less, unfortunately. So how are you handling that with your with your clients, Janet? It's, it's interesting how much it comes up. Like it comes up all the time. And so as coaches, you know, we always dig deeper and and probe and find out like what's going on. And it's interesting. A lot of times it's just really simple things that are creating the imbalance. It's things like not having office hours, meaning not having boundaries around when they answer their phone or when they don't answer their phone not having that conversation with clients up front of, hey, here's how you can reach me. Here's when you can reach me. Here's when you can't reach me because it's my family time. Yeah. Do, you find, do you find that that happens? Absolutely. I think what happens is the average real estate professional is reactive instead of proactive. Yeah, that's a very good word. The best real estate professionals, the ones who make the most money, are very proactive. Mm-hmm. What you're just talking about is setting boundaries and being proactive in your schedule. And I know one of the questions I ask people all the time is, well, tell me about like your morning. What's your morning look like? And I don't care if people get up at 5 a.m. or 7 a.m. to be honest, but I do care that they don't roll out of bed and get right into like a tornado of chaos. And right. That seems like almost a telltale sign of, you know, how I get up is how I spend the rest of my day. Right. Where if you get up and you have time for yourself and you have some sort of morning routine and it looks similar every day, mm-hmm. that's it's going to bleed in to the rest of your life. And we are in a reactive business. You know, we can't say no all the time or we might lose an opportunity. But, you know, I had, I'm in sales actively as well. And I had a client today who, you know, he wanted to see 
a house at two and I had a meeting at one and I had a meeting at three and I wasn't going to cancel either meeting, even though maybe I could have pushed them mm-hmm. to show the house at two. I'm showing it to him at five. But I think a lot of agents would have just have gone at two o'clock. Absolutely. And it's training agents to be able to say not now because no doesn't mean nope, not going to do it. No can often mean I'm not able to do it at that time. Here's when I can do it. Yeah. One of my favorite stories, I must tell the story to every coaching client I have. It goes back to when I was working at a boutique brokerage a couple of years ago, I was looking after 125 agents. And the number one agent in the office was unbelievably disciplined. Like he did 100 plus deals a year. And he was very methodical in his routine and his approach for every day. And I think he did his like hour of power, as we call it, his, you know, his time that he has blocked to talk to clients and prospects and everything. He would do it, let's say, from 9.30 to 10.30. And I remember walking up to him at the office. He was in like the bullpen area, headset on, not talking to anybody, right? Just kind of standing there. And I thought, oh, okay, he's free. So I walked up to him and I said, hey, John, can I ask you a quick question? They said, oh, yeah, absolutely. Come back at 1045. And I paused and I thought, yep, that's why he does the volume that he does, because he was super disciplined. He knew that his definition of quick question might not be the same definition as my definition of quick question. And he had a commitment to be making his phone calls, sending out his texts, all those things. I always think that that's such a good example and he's continued to grow and grow. It it is. And look, this he's just someone that has control and has set boundaries. I think all the time, you know, I use this as an example with my coaching clients. I always tell them to act like a doctor, but I'll act them like, what kind of doctor, what kind of, what kind of money do you want to make? Right. Well, you want to make surgeon money. What's a surgeon act like? Yeah. Surgeon act like if you called your surgeon, well, they just have you come in today. Right. What's this, what's a consultation look like? What's it look like when you walk into the office who checks your vitals? Yeah. Right. And there's so many correlations to that. But I think too, the people who are the most disciplined that set those boundaries, just going back to balance and fatigue, they have the least amount of stress. And we've had this conversation before, right? Because people go through this cycle of the cycle of burnout. Um, You have to have some sort of routine for self-care, discipline boundaries, eating better. I mean, how many real estate agents like eating their car every day, fast food. You know, I had a, I had a coaching client once who was like, is every top producer overweight? I was like, no, but that could be eating bad. It could be stress, right? Neither one of those things are good. Um, I've been there for sure. Um, so yeah. So, you know, what's, what's the, so I'm, I'm imagining the first thing that you're recommending to someone, if they come to you in this place of burnout or out of balance, coach, what do I do? You're mm-hmm. just right into schedule, it sounds like. I always ask them a couple of really simple questions. Mm-hmm. Number one, what time do you need to get out of bed in the morning? So I don't say what time do you need to wake up because there's a difference, yeah. right? So what time do you need to get out of bed? 
what are your office hours? So when do you need to start your work day? When do you need to stop your work day? What time do you need to have lights out? And just by asking those simple questions, it just uncovers a lot because oftentimes it's, oh, well, it just depends what appointments I have that day or, oh, I don't know. It's just really inconsistent. It depends what time I go to bed. Oh, so you're telling me that you don't go to bed. Oh, no, it's kind of whatever. It's a bad habit. It's a bad habit. And oh, uh, what time do I stop? Mm, It just depends what I'm doing. And so back to your surgeon analogy, that's perfect, right? A doctor's office has very set hours. Very established, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, and getting them, it's amazing how many people don't have their schedules on their phone. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to admit, I didn't have it in my phone until I got into coaching, mm-hmm. but I have it in my schedule when I make my bed, what time I start, what time I stop. I actually have an alarm on my phone that says lights out, but I also have one that goes off 30 minutes before that says get ready for tomorrow. So you're way more organized than me. Um, I do have <laughs> I do have my schedule in my phone. I do have like key important meetings in my phone. Um, but I find having some of those little things actually stress me out. Like be at the gym at like 5, 5.15. Cause I like a little margin for error in my personality. I'm with you. Like I ask people those similar questions. Like how do you need to organize your day? You know, I always think like the magic real estate schedule for most people because I think every real estate agent has to have like a little bit of ADHD. I certainly do. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, in the morning, I'm getting to the office sometime between 8 and 8.30, hopefully, or before 8. Prospect, market, follow up on my deals. In, those or- in that order, I'm prospecting, mm-hmm. I'm marketing, putting out marketing to get people to prospect too, because my marketing works better if mm-hmm. I'm prospecting to people. I follow up on my deals. and then. In the afternoon, that's when I can have my appointments. In the afternoon, that's when I can have organized chaos, right? I need a little bit of organized chaos. Um, but I agree, like, you need to have some sort of a schedule where for you, having all those little things work. For me, it's just knowing in the morning, I'm going to work on my business. In the afternoon, I'm going to work in my business. Mm-hmm. I think what happens with a lot of people, they work in their business from nine to four. They never take time to work on their business. Yeah. And then that's where they get to this place of burnout. Yeah. Because there's all these things they're not getting done. So when do you schedule, this is something that comes up too about balance. When do you schedule the projects that you're working on? So let's say you're, launching a podcast or you're <clears throat> updating your website or you're revamping your CRM, like all those things that don't just take, it's not a one-shot deal, you're probably working on it over 30, 60, 90 days. For me, that's in that nine to noon because like some of those things you said are part of marketing. My CRM being dialed in is part of marketing for me. Yeah. Uh, this podcast, starting a podcast is about my coaching brand and creating referrals for people that want to send deals to Portland, Oregon. Like it's, it's about that. It's part of my marketing plan. It's part of uh, trying to see if people want to join EXP, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, to me, that's all part of my, 
the marketing piece that happens in the morning. So, okay. hey, client, okay. client wants to see a house at 10 o'clock in the morning. I'll say yes sometimes mm -hmm. after I ask if they could do it in the afternoon. Yeah. Because I know if I do it in the morning, I might get to a place of like decision fatigue or just a place to where like, I just want to lay on my couch and not work anymore. And then those important things in the business don't get done. And I, I, from my vantage point, that's what burns people out. Hey, I sold eight houses last month, but I didn't get my farm postcard out. And people are tripping out about the farm postcard, even though they just made $80,000. Right. So trying to get those things done in the morning, the foundational business pieces. But how do you choose? Okay, so let's say you have your marketing. So you've got your social media that has to come up, go out. You have your, you know, you're in the groove of doing this podcast now. But let's say you have a project, like some new initiative. Yeah. So how do you choose when you've got all these different marketing things? So I, do have, I do have some of those things like loosely in my schedule. Okay. Like I know by the fifth of the month, I need to have my postcard out. Okay. So on Tuesdays and Fridays, I'm trying to release podcasts. So I need to try to like record them, you know, a little bit in advance. So the VA can edit them and they can be posted, et cetera. Right. Um, so, so I do have some of those things loosely in the calendar but not necessarily at a specific time, like as a reminder on that day. So you've got, I like what you do. You've got milestones. Yeah. Right. You know, by this date, you've reverse engineered it to say, if I want it to go out and be fully executed by this date, then here's the milestones I have to reach by these different days. Yeah. If I'm going to do a market update video that I advertise on YouTube to my farm, it makes a lot more sense to do that around the fourth or fifth of the month because I have the data and let it run for 25 days versus right. waiting until the 20th or 25th posting it. And now that content's irrelevant in five days. Yeah. So there's certain things, you know, where it's just, you just let logic kick in. Mm -hmm. Then everything else is priorities, mm -hmm. right? Like we all only have so much time in the day. That's the question I ask my clients a lot when we're looking at these projects they want to do. Well, Hey, on in your top 10 things, is this really important? And I asked one of my coaching clients yesterday something that he was kind of tripping out about. I'm like, where does this rank in life importance? And he's like, it's not even in the top 10. Why the hell are we talking about it then? Mm -hmm. Why like this is an expensive conversation? You know, like let's let's focus on things that actually move your business forward. Why are we even paying this this much uh this much attention? And I think that's you know. Knowing our priorities also helps keep us in balance. But yeah, when I'm looking at those projects, right. um, this is a like I'm sure we all say this. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I need to know when I want to get it done by. If it's not a high priority, that day can maybe be pushed back a little bit. I'm not going to trip out about it. We all know the things that are really important that have to get done. Like how many clients do we have? where like I'll look at their social media and be like, what are you doing? You don't have a story going or you have only two stories in the last 24 hours. You need to have 10 because all your business comes from social media. What are you doing? You know, um, also tripping out for them sometimes I feel like, but yeah, it's just understanding our priorities and how to fit that into those project times because we have to have time again to work on our business and time to work in 
And I think predominantly people that get burnt out, they just work in their business too much and they don't do any projects. Yeah. I've found that there's three questions that I ask myself every morning. And I find that helps me with balance and keeps me on the right path. So the first one is, who am I? Right. And I could say, you know, I'm a, a coach and I describe what kind of coach I am. And, and it might not necessarily be the coach I am today. It could be the coach I'm growing into in a year and three years. Right. So setting some really specific targets around that. And then second one is who and what do I have to be grateful for? Because I find that just keeps us calm, keeps us positive. And then the last one is what's most important right now? Because if I say, oh, I've got to do this. Oh, and I've, oh I haven't done this. Oh, I've got to do this. I'm like, ah, I'm like, wait, what's most important right now? I, I, yeah. I, I dump it all out and then I don't allow myself to say more than three things. And I'm like, hey, you get those three things done. You can pick three others off the list. Yeah. But just and give what, me three. And what are the most important things a real estate professional does? Connecting with their database, connecting with their clients. Yeah. It's like prospecting, marketing, and going on appointments. Mm-hmm. Right? And, I mean, like, and studying the market. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it. That's it. Those are the most important things. And if you look at the average real estate professional's um, schedule, it does not reflect that. Mm-hmm. So, in with this balance, yeah. we have another question, which is when do I hire my first assistant? Right? Because if we're totally out of balance, it could just be my schedule, it could be my priorities, like we've been talking about. Or it could be that you've just really starting to hit your capacity and reach your limit and need to deploy some leverage into your business to really purchase some quality of life back. Yeah. So because we both get asked that question all the yeah. time. And so what I've started saying to people is whenever you say to yourself, I think I need an assistant or I need an assistant, no that within three to six months, you better have an assistant. Because if you're starting to say that now, you know you're in momentum and you're going to be at that point. And the mistake that agents can make is, I need an assistant. I need this. Oh, I need an assistant. And they're just, they just start spinning out of control. And all of a sudden they're like, I can't take it anymore. I need an assistant. I got to get an assistant. They're not prepared for the assistant. So they hire just the first person that comes along. Yeah, Grandma Sue, my Aunt Susie. Right. Anyone named Susie gets hired. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And they're not prepared for them. They might not be the right person for their business. And they that assistant is like, okay, well, what do you need me to do? So I always say to coaching clients, hey, the first time you say it, I think I need an assistant. No, you've got like three to six months to figure this out. And every day at the end of the day, take 10 minutes and write down, if I had had an assistant today, what would they have done? And just keep that list going. Oh, they would have called the sign company and ordered the sign up for my new listing. They would have sent the documents to the lawyer or the lender. Like just whatever you had to do and just build that list. 
You yeah. work on that 10 minutes a day. Guess what? By the time you hire the assistant, you say, here's all the things that you're going to be working on. Yeah. I think that's a great place to start. I'm a, I'm a little bit different, but I'm also a big systems guy and I'm probably mm -hmm. DM me if you've done this before. So I can tell, we can congratulate each other on how stupid we are, but I, one year with my team, we did a hundred, about 170 units with zero admin support. Okay. And so I always start with, well, what are your systems, right? Like what systems are you utilizing? What systems aren't you utilizing? Cause I want to get people out of this problem that they're in right away. Um, then I'm assessing volume. What kind of volume are you doing? How many units are you doing? Cause I do think a lot of people go to higher before they have revenue. Mm -hmm. So I don't know where someone needs, there's no magic number where you need to hire an assistant, but probably between like zero and 24 transactions, transaction coordination and strong systems is probably enough. And then 24 to 36 transactions with just that, it starts getting a little bit more difficult. And that's where that hiring usually needs to come into place. Um, you definitely need uh, assistant when you're doing 36 to 50 units and above. I mean, no doubt. Um, but then I do do the same thing that you're talking about. Hey, we need to set a timeline in which we might hire this person. We need to have benchmarks to know that we need them. But let's start writing down who this person is and what they're going to do for us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have a really amazing coaching client who's gone through tremendous growth over the last 24 months. And she was on a team or she wasn't on a team when I started coaching her for like a week. I'm like, please don't join a team. I'll teach you all this stuff. And then she went and joined a team and then she left the team. And then pretty quickly, she had started to hire leverage and she's a great leader. And she's been doing a really awesome job getting her admin set up. And even this week, it's I'm running out of things for her to do. Well, that's fine. Let's just brainstorm this real quick. Right. And it was easy to, to release that anxiety from this agent um, who has a, a great roadmap to do more volume. But if she would have hired that assistant six months ago, we'd probably be having a different conversation about revenue and can I afford the assistant? Right. And because she got her volume up, because her pipeline is so full, because she had, you know, a decent lead generation systems that could just go. Um, mm -hmm. It's able to fund that assistant and then the assistant's actually able to help her grow versus just helping her get time back. She gets a double benefit of it. Tell me more about the conversation you had with her when she said, I don't, I, I'm kind of running out of things for, for her to do. How did, tell me how you brainstormed about that. So, so with her, I know so much about her business that I just knew the thing, I knew what she was doing and I knew the things that they weren't doing yet. And, um, you know, so, so with her, it was easy to create that list, but it was, um, hey, our, what's your Monday meeting look like? What's the structure of that meeting? How efficient is it, mm -hmm. right? Hey, now that the assistant's been here for a little while, what's another task? that she could take off of your plate. I see you're still going to lots of home inspections and you have a licensed assistant. Could you just be like a doctor 
and go to the end of it. Yeah. And let your admin be the nurse and go kind of take the vitals and babysit the home inspection and do all those little things. And you just show up what's in it when it's important. So you still get great customer service, but now you get that time back. That's something for her to do. And what does she get to do in that trade? Well, now she gets to use that time for prospecting and marketing. Yeah. Um, hey, what's what's an end of the week meeting look like? Are you having an end of the week meeting? Should we be having a meeting on Thursday so that on Friday when the admin comes in, she can take care of all the really important things that maybe you might stay late on Friday or Saturday doing? Mm-hmm. Can, we have, can we have a meeting on Thursday, but the whole goal of that meeting is to free up your weekend and make your weekend as good as possible, right? Right. Um, what are things that administrative assistant can track and measure for you that you're not tracking right now? Maybe your email open rate. That's a good one. Yeah. So things are getting done, but smarter things could get done if you track and measure because you'd realize that this headline or this subject in the email gets way better open rates than the other one. You know, Joe, who's on my email newsletter, has 100% open rate. I've never called him. John has a 0% open rate. I call him every week, yeah. right? Those little things. So, mm-hmm. you know, using, using your administrative assistant who hopefully has a more analytical, organized personality than the average salesperson. You know, the average salesperson, like I'm not going to go through my email newsletter and see who's opening stuff. You know, like I know I should, mm-hmm. but like I'm not going to. But hey, go in here and find me who I should be following up with. Right. Hey, you're you're holding your assistant accountable. How can we help your assistant hold you accountable to do the prospecting and marketing? So that's what a lot of the, that's what a lot of the things were that I put in a sheet for her. And I'm like, hey, I'm just going to send you a Google sheet, mm-hmm. you know, and um, you'll be fine. And I followed up with her today, and she's like, yeah, it's super helpful. You know, I'm like, okay, hey, if you want more, let me know. See, that's a super smart approach because if you've got an admin as an agent, your mindset might be, I've got to give her things to do. I've got like, it's me, but you've spun it and given a a different perspective and said, okay, how can she hold, he or she hold you accountable? Yeah. Yeah. How, How can we make sure the admin is doing administrative type work and helping the, the team leader, the salesperson, make right. sure they're staying in their sales role. Because that's the only way the admin gets to grow and keep their job. Mm-hmm. It's the only way that we, you know, you can afford to have that higher. You have to stay in productivity. The other um, <clears throat> concern or resistance I get from agents when they want to hire an assistant, they, they say, well, I need one now because I'm so busy, but I know this isn't going to last. And I'm just so afraid to hire somebody because I don't know, July and August are so dead. I just don't know what I would get them to do. I, I would just be worried that I'm not going to have the money to pay for them. So how do you, yeah. how do you so, do that? Do so I've, had that, I've had that, I've heard that statement so many times. So then I, what I always ask is, so you think this is a season? in your business. And then I ask them why you're going to sell less real. Why are you going to sell less real estate? If we do the things we're supposed to do consistently, we're going to sell more real estate, right? So is, so is the sphere, are you going to stop 
doing what you're doing that you've been successful at? Do you think this is luck? And I don't know about you, but like, I feel like everyone I coach, they're unicorns, right? If you um, are going to pay for coaching and commit to building your business, you're special. If you're special, well, you're going to have a special business if you do things consistently. So yeah, when I hear that, what I hear is I'm scared to hire because I'm scared of the expense. But there's no reason to be scared if we do the activities we're supposed to do consistently. And when people get on the roller coaster, they're on the roller coaster because they lead generate a market, then they service, then they lead generate market, then they service, then they lead generate market and service. Yeah. So we don't have control over the month a deal closes when someone buys from us. None of that's ever going to be perfect. We do have control over the actions that we do consistently. And mm-hmm. um, like one of the analogies I've been using right now, because I've been really into like my health right now, I'm trying to lose weight is I can't guarantee I can get to the gym every day for an hour. I can make sure I sweat every day for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And if I just sweat every day for 10 minutes, I'm going to lose weight. Right. But those days that I want to take off and I, I don't get the 10 minutes sweat in, that's what's going to make me not have progress. Too many of those days are going to keep me where I'm at. If I don't lead generate market, right. I'm not going to sell real estate. Right. I, I always say to them, I want prospecting, lead generating, that block of activities, that becomes as normal and natural as brushing your teeth. Yeah. I'm like, you... you you brush your teeth when you get up, right? Yeah. Does anybody have to tell you? Do you have to put it in your in your calendar? No. It would feel weird if you didn't brush your teeth. It's a job. It's a job. Exactly. And then I say, well, what would be better for you if you brushed your teeth every day for 30 seconds every morning or brush them once or twice a week yeah. for like five minutes? You know, people are scared of commission compression right? Commissions are going to come down. Commissions are going to come down. We're so lucky that commissions are based on the average because the average agent, if I'm just being honest, sucks, right? The average agent isn't good. So when you become an exceptional agent and you do the things like you're talking about, consistently brushing your teeth, lead generating marketing, things mm-hmm. like that, that's how you become an exceptional agent. That's how you become the guy you're talking about in your office with the headset. Yeah. And commission compression isn't going to matter if that happens. It's not. You're still going to be able to make a living. If it happens, it happens. But it's not going to matter if you're exceptional. And guess Mm -hmm. what else is going to happen if it happens? The average agent is going to do more business because all the crappy ones are going to be gone. Right? But, Mm -hmm. But so many agents don't just do their job. So we're so blessed to have things where be where they are today, right? Where if we just lead generate and market, you know, I barely graduated from high school. I don't know if you knew that, like seven people graduated below me. You know, I mean, I, I was a good kid. School just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made surgeon money, thank God, for a long time, because I'm just willing to talk to people about real estate. You know, it's, about my, it's mindset and discipline. If you can get mindset and discipline. It's such a blessing. Anything's possible. Yeah, I agree. So me, I was just going to ask you one more question. We were talking about these um, assistants because you said yeah. something that I'm curious about. And I bet you a lot of people are curious about too. You talked about the agent having the meeting with 
the assistant, like the, the beginning of the week meeting and the end of the week meeting. Yeah. Do you have a formula or recommendations? What should be in that meeting and what should be discussed? Yeah, I do. So we okay. go over, we'll go over really, really quickly. Um, I think it, it should be based off lead pillars, right? Because okay. one thing we should be talking about, if I'm paying for, let's say, Zillow, how many Zillow leads came in last week? How many of those leads did I go on appointments with? How many appointments did I take from some of my old Zillow leads? How many leads did I get in total last week? How many conversations did I have last week? What were the total number of appointments that I went on, right? Some of these leading indicators in the business, those should be tracked on a weekly basis, right? And then Pearson's law kicks in, right? Mm -hmm. What we track and measure gets better. And then when we report feedback or have feedback reported, you know, performance in increases. Uh, what I recommend for the teams that I coach is, hey, let's go through pending sales mm -hmm. and let's start with the deal that's going to close next. Let's, let's just type all those loose ends, right? Mm -hmm. On Monday, we, hey, am I doing it? Is this something my, my admin can do for me? But let's just have a clear picture when we start the week of our next deals that are going to close. Make sure we provide great customer service to those clients and type any loose ends that we can. And it helps us set our priorities for the week. Mm -hmm. Hey, what new listings do we have coming up? What needs to be done for those people? How about listings in our pipeline that are 60, 90, you know, 180 days out? Um, in my own real estate business, and what I recommend to a lot of coaching clients is we track a 30, 60, 90 day pipeline. Mm -hmm. So in that meeting, that's a good thing to review. What's, what's in the pipeline that we have coming up? If there's nothing in the pipeline, you bet your ass we're prioritizing prospecting. Yeah. You know? So that's really what that meeting is, is it's one, it's going to give that admin a ton of things to do. Number two, it's going to give you that perspective you need in the business to really know how to prioritize your week. Mm -hmm. Am I prioritizing lead generation? Was I not last week? Like what kind of marketing needs to go out to create more conversations? Do I just like need to get into the CRM and like start texting and calling and trying to create conversations? Um, too few real estate agents have really good perspective of their business from an analytical standpoint. And the biggest companies in the world are data companies now. That's true. How many agents do you ask? How many houses you sold this year? They don't know. What's the average sales price in your market? They don't know. What's the 12-month average sales price appreciation? They don't know. When you ask the people that earn the most in this business, they can answer all those questions. Yeah. And we don't track everything. We don't track... We're really not that good at tracking conversations on my team. But we are good at tracking first appointments and second appointments and third yeah. appointments and total appointments. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. So we had more questions, but we're like at our time limit. And I don't, I want people to keep <laughs> listening to these. So we're going to just have to come back and do another one. That's okay. I think Wait. that was great. Yeah. So if people wanted to follow you on the internet, mm -hmm. how would they, how would they do that? Where would they find you? So Instagram is where I'm most active. Okay. Janetmiller.coach. Okay. And every Thursday I go live on Facebook. Thursday, 5 p.m. 
Pacific time with two other coaches, the three of us interview other coaches or a team leader or an awesome agent. So it's called the tailgate. Awesome. So we do that. And those are usually the two best ways. Perfect. Well, you're the best. I love you. We're going to do this again. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to Direction with David Caldwell. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the tips and tricks you can use to grow your real estate business. If you're keen to hear more ideas you can implement, make sure to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a comment and review. Head over to davidccaldwell.com to sign up to our email list, as well as find more information and resources on our show. Until next time.